on your PC, iPod or smartphone, this is the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Coming up on the 31st edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast for 2017, we catch up with GB Swans and Newtown Breakaways footballer Frankie Hocking, coach of the Salisbury Magpies, Richard Gray, Adelaide University coach Chrissy Steen, and our State League's rap with Alison Schiller, Lauren Hodgson, and Aaron Russell. That's all coming up on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. <laughs> I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the 31st edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast for 2017, our third season of doing these podcasts. And if I'm correct, this is episode 84 overall. And just a quick reminder, you can listen to this podcast as a radio program Wednesday evenings from about 6pm on RSN Carnival. That's digital radio in Melbourne or by the RSN Racing and Sport app. Some news out of AFL headquarters this week to kick off the program. It was anticipated that possibly four to six AFLW licences were going to be announced. However, the AFL Commission did meet in Geelong and have decided to delay a decision by at least a month until about grand final week. Uh, There's still some working out to be done if there's going to be obviously enough depth to hand out two, four or six licences, if there's going to be a conference-type system and therefore the season's contained to a two-month window or if they're going to expand it over a certain period of time whether it goes through summer or overlaps with the men. Apparently, there's still quite a bit of work to be done. So around grand final week, we should finally know who will be the expansion teams for 2019 and onwards in the AFL women's competition. And talking about AFL women's, the state of origin is on this weekend, Saturday, September 2nd at Eddie Hatch Stadium. Tell your friends it's free entry. That's right, you don't have to pay a nickel to go along and see the best women's footballers running around. There will be the State of Origin under-18s game that we played earlier, probably around about 4.30. And then from 7.40pm, it's the senior women doing battle, the Allies versus Victoria. That game live on Channel 7 as well, if you want to check that out. But I do suggest you head along to Etihad Stadium with free entry. Take the family along for what should be a great night of women's footy action. Speaking of great women's footy action, we saw plenty of it a couple of weeks ago at the AFL International Cup in Melbourne, where women from eight nations were trying their very best to not only win the International Cup, but possibly catch the eye of recruiters and maybe be taken in the AFLW draft in October. One of those hopefuls is Frankie Hocking. She starred for the GB Swans during the tournament and earned a spot in the world team on the interchange bench. For the last three or four seasons, she's been playing in Sydney for the Newtown Breakaways and she joins us on the line now. Frankie, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you going? Not too bad at all. Of course, people can detect by your accent. You're an English woman, so I guess I have to ask the question, how did a woman from Stourport in England end up in Sydney? Um, okay, well, it's a bit sad, really, I guess. Uh, one of those usual poms that watch Neighbours and Home and Away and... Uh, from a little kid, always wanted to kind of make it out here and uh, and finally got the opportunity after university and, uh, yeah, just kind of flew the nest and came over to Sydney straight away. And now, I believe you actually came originally from a soccer background. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, growing up near, um, near Birmingham, there's so many soccer teams around there that have got links to sort of men's premiership uh, EPL teams. And um, opportunities were just huge for girls to play soccer back home. And, um, yeah, I just got I got scouted at the age of uh, eight to play for um, Coventry City. So it was like a two-hour drive from home. But um, 
my dad, bless him, he, he used to take me three times a week. And, and yeah, just soccer just took over our lives a little bit, really. And, um, yeah, just fell in love with that game. But I guess as you grow up, you kind of start to, I don't know, need new challenges and want to try new things. And, um, I mean, as a kid, I, I tried soccer, I tried hockey, um, I used to swim. You just kind of try everything, especially in the UK. There's, there's plenty of opportunities to try things that are land-based. There's not a lot of things water-based, mine. But, um, yeah, so I just tried it, loved it, and, and played it for years and years and years, really. So after that soccer background and chasing the neighbours home and away dream, <laughs> you're in Sydney. So how did you stumble across the Newtown Breakaways and end up playing Aussie Rules? Yeah, so I was living in... Um, near Darling Harbour, and um, just did a good old online search for sort of local AFL teams because I thought, oh, I've come over here. I need to try um, what I thought was a traditional local sort of sport of Australia, although I discovered in Sydney NRL is kind of the thing to do. Um, and, yeah, the breakaways popped up, and um, also Sydney Uni popped up, but they didn't get back to me in time, and sort of the rest is history, I guess. I, I got given some contact details of one of the girls in the team and she met me and took me down to training and yeah I started to have a go with this oval shaped ball that was rock solid and hurt like hell when you handballed it and um, bounced horribly um, and yeah I just kind of I don't know I just fell in love with the challenge of, of trying something new really. And how did you find the transition to Aussie rules? I mean, I'm, I've been looking through your stats since 2014. You've come up regularly in Newtown's best. Yeah, I think, look, I think the soccer background um, sort of helps you read the game. It's it's easy to know because the ball, you know, it's a 360 game, whereas if I'd played, try to go to NRL, for example, it's, it's, very, it's very different in that sort of setup. So I think my, my mind was able to kind of transition relatively easy um and then i guess realistically footy and soccer i mean the skills are, are quite transferable in the fact that you know you've got to be able to kick it catching was probably the hardest thing for me to to kind of get to grips with because my depth perception was sort of designed for heading the heading the ball rather than catching it so i think that was probably the hardest thing to do definitely had a few pop knuckles here and there on the first few uh few games but um yeah no i, I just kind of I guess I threw myself into it and wanted to try and learn something new. And, um, yeah, I, I guess as well the girls were just very welcoming and they really helped me to, to learn the game. And it's down to them that I was probably one of the you know their best players as such. It's just from their training, their help, the coaches that we had at the time just was the right coach for somebody that's new. Um, and he kind of just sort of guided me through that um, transition and that development of your skills really, really smoothly. So, yeah, I owe a lot to, to the breakaways for where I'm at today, to be honest. Now, I think it was in just your second season that you actually got picked to represent AFL Sydney. Yeah, my second season was, was definitely, you know, a highlight because I was picked in uh, Team of the Year for Sydney as well. Um, and, yeah, and we, we did the rep side. And, yeah, it was just, it was a it was a special sort of time to kind of be around and, I guess the rawness of me taking up the sport was still kind of, I guess the energy was there and I was still learning things. Um, but it was an eye-opener to play alongside some of the girls that now are playing at the Giants and stuff. Just the skill level um, 
for my second year was, was a pr- pretty big gap between some of the better players. Um, but it definitely spurred me on. It definitely gave me that motivation that, you know, it's time to really focus and get fitter and get a bit stronger and, and work on the things in my game that, you know, still even today need, need more development. I actually believe you tried out for the GWS Giants for their 2017 season and, and just missed out on being drafted. Um, what have you done since then to try and keep positive and keep that dream alive? Yeah, I mean, it was tough because, you know, we, we went through this academy phase here in Sydney um, where so many of us got to try out and be involved with it. And then they made the cuts and being part of that group that got cut was, was quite hard to take, really, especially as... Like I said, the season before, I'd had a really good season and I felt really positive about footy and, and all that kind of stuff. And um, it did hit me quite hard. It was quite, it's quite hard to take rejection in that sort of stuff. Um, and to be honest with you, I, I took some time away from footy. I just needed to kind of, I, I guess you need, sometimes you need to miss something to really realise how much you wanted it. Um, so I went, I went back to soccer. I played in the MPL for this past season and, um, just, but still kind of kept around um, the breakaways and helped out a little bit and, and then started playing a few games near the back end of the season because the IC was obviously in the forefront at the end of, of the season and you kind of needed to kind of, I don't know, get my skills back to date and, and freshen up. And um, I think being back around the AFL sort of team environment and the sport definitely has sort of given me that motivation that when I went into the IC, I wanted to try and perform at the best that I could, not only for GB, but also for myself to kind of show that I guess I'm in the right mindset again to, to give it another go with, with footy again this year and, and see what, where I can go with it again. And when did your focus switch to getting a, a spot on the GB Swans list? And, and how did you learn the team's game plan? And I guess get to know everyone with most of the side being on the other side of the planet back home in the UK. Yeah, I mean, I was I was very lucky in the fact that actually the captain um, and the vice-captain, Laura Turner and Rania Ramadan, they, I used to work with them over here in Sydney and they went back to the UK, got in touch with me and said, look, we're, we're creating a GB team. Are you interested in being involved? I, I jumped at the chance, um, sent some footage of me playing. I was lucky enough to have got some footage on, on YouTube channels and... Um, yeah, send that through, and, and Garth, the head coach, was like, yeah, okay, we're keen, like, really interested to have you involved. And then we just went through months of um, sending me footage of the girls playing and of team diagrams and pictures of what they were doing and um, how we would try and work the systems. Um, and then when the guys came over to, to Melbourne ready for the IC, we, we had a, a few days of training before the competition kicked off, and... It was just a lot of, there was a lot of repetition of things because, yeah, the way I played was a little bit different to how they played and it was just kind of adjusting. But I think the easiest thing for our team was that we only had to adjust to three of us living over here in in Oz um, compared to trying to sort of have only three people that had played together before and and doing it that way. So I guess we had it a bit easier um, than maybe some of the other teams. And how did the standard of IC17 um, compare to, say, playing in the Sydney Women's Premier Division? Yeah, look, I think there was definitely a noticeable difference in things such as there was a lot of ball on the ground, um, sort of time of having to ball up because the ball was trapped, the ball wasn't picked up very quickly. Um, But I think when you consider that the girls 
especially the girls in the UK, they play a lot of it um, like nines rather than 16s or 18s. So I think for that sort of level, you, you've got to say it was, it was, you know, at a good standard. I mean, you played against the likes of Ireland and, and Canada and half of their girls live over here as well. I know the Ireland team, a lot of them play in the Sydney comp for the UTS. So had a bit of a sneak peek, I guess, of what some of the girls' abilities were like um, from previous games over here. Um, and you could definitely see that that, that was that was a different level when we played those guys compared to um, some of the other teams that I'd watched play. And, um, and like even Fiji, they were just so strong, but their their skills were, you could tell that they've come from a rugby seven background rather than, a, a, you know, an AFL soccer background. And obviously you would have, have loved to have made the grand final, but are you happy to have finished third at IC17 in the Swans' debut at the tournament? I hundred percent. Like, yes, it was heartbreaking missing out in the last sort of seven minutes of the final quarter against Ireland. But you know, when you consider that the Irish girls, some of their girls have been to every IC, um, or they play together week in week out here in Sydney, or um, even back in Ireland or in the London comp. And same with Canada, they've been together for a few years now, and we've come together. As I said, most of the girls have been there together for maybe a year to eighteen months, and. I've come across, and one of my teammates, Rosie Morrison, she came across from the Newtown Breakaways. Lauren Short in Melbourne as well. So to have three of us that have never met them before, probably half the team that live in Scotland as well that haven't really played much with the girls, I think everybody has to hold their head up high and be super proud of the performances they put in. And we've managed to make it to third place, first IC. I just say watch out for three years' time because if the girls can stick together and we get this team back with a few more additions, I reckon we've got even better of a chance next time. And personally, um, how did it feel to be named in the world team? Uh, look, I think, you know, it's, it's, a, it's amazing. It's a massive honour and everything else. But to be totally honest with you, having three other girls from the GB team in that lineup for our first IC is, is more important than, than an individual accolade for me. Uh, I'm just stoked that, you know, the hard work that the girls have put in um, stood out that, you know, we had four girls from GB standing up there in that lineup and, you know, competing with the, with the numbers that Canada and Ireland managed to put into the team. So, yeah, we should just be really stoked as a whole group that we, we got that far. And from you, your view, um, being out there on the paddock, um, and this covers both the GB Swans and, and other teams, uh, who were some of the best players in the tournament that you think would actually go well if they, if they had an opportunity at AFLW level? Oh, um... Yeah, look, I think you got to look at um, sort of even from, well, from the GB Swans, we'll start with those guys. I think for me, that a standout player um, was Danny Salter. Um, her kicking, the distance, her range was, was pretty pretty decent. And she was up there leading the goal kicking charts until the last sort of round, which was a massive shame for her that, you know, the other girls that took out the prize actually were playing um, Pakistan that day and, and got it, managed to kick a few extra goals. Um, whereas you know, she she sort of scored most of her goals early on. But, you know, her her ability on the ball and reading the game, I think, is, is definitely up there. She would do well, at least in the, the sort of either the Victorian leagues or the Sydney leagues. Um, I think it's obvious that um, Canada have got a fair few decent players. And I don't actually know her name, but she plays as number five. She was a... Valerie Moreau. Yeah, massive standout. She won. She got the player of the tournament. And I think her skills were just, you know, second to none and, and showed that she plays... I think she plays in the Victorian League, and it showed massively. 
Um, I think Ireland, specifically um, uh, Carol, Carol Breen, I've seen her play in the Sydney comp for a few years now and I think, you know, the way she plays is is, is great and she deserves a, a look in for sure. Um, uh, yeah, they would be my standouts really from the from the girls that we played um, against. They're, they're the ones that I'd say definitely stood out for me. So IC17 is over. Newtown, unfortunately, didn't make it through to the finals for the uh, Premier Division this year in uh, Sydney. So what's next for you on your footy journey? Yeah, I guess um, let the body recover a little bit from IC17. Um, took a few knocks here and there, so a bit of recovery time. But, um, yeah, just I think... Uh, look, I think I'm going to put my, my name in for the draft when it opens, um, when it reopens and see if anything comes of it. But um, I think really it's more a case of getting a good pre-season in, um, making some decisions about um, footy this year. And, um, yeah, I think just basically getting myself out there and back in the local comps um, sort of full-time rather than sort of a little bit of between soccer and AFL again. I think it's time to sort of make that decision and, and stick with AFL. And hopefully something will come if it's not, this year, but maybe next year I can kind of show what I've learned and where I'm back at and, and um, keep improving to see, who knows, maybe one day I can get picked up by the Giants or um, maybe one day the Swans will have a team and it'll make it a bit easier up here in Sydney, not just having one team for the girls to compete to get in, really. And just quickly on that, um, does that give you a little bit of extra hope that um, if you're not successful for 2018, at least for 2019, when the competition expands, there's more clubs, even in other states, there's still more opportunities? Uh, I think massively for, for a lot of the girls, you know, here in Sydney, we only have the Giants as an option at the moment. And you've got girls that are willing to travel already interstate from Queensland and Victoria and, and even wider. But um, there's girls that are the Sydney side of it, the Giants side of it, they cover New South Wales and ACT already. There's hundreds, if not thousands, of girls that are playing footy and would love this opportunity. So, I mean, you hope that in the not-too-distant future that the Swans would really consider getting a team involved because there's healthy competition here in Sydney for for girls um, to play. And, um, you know, myself, unfortunately, I can't move into state due to work reasons and um, you know, the only option I have is to stay in, in New South Wales. So, yeah, I mean, personally, I'd love it if there was two teams, um, just to make life a little bit easier. But um, and I'm sure the other girls will will sort of relish that opportunity if it comes around eventually. Well, Frankie, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. Once again, well played at the IC17. Congratulations on making the world team, and all the very best come draft time in October. Thank you very much. Fingers crossed. Hey. This weekend in Adelaide, it's the Adelaide Footy League Women's Division 1 Grand Final. And it's going to be a battle between Adelaide University and the Salisbury Magpies. And we'll be joined by both coaches in a moment's time. Got a feel for West Adelaide and more for Phil Park. They were second and third respectively. And they were both knocked off along the way by the Salisbury Magpies, who made a tremendous run from fourth. They finished the season five wins and five losses out of the ten rounds. Somehow put it all together at the right time to earn themselves a spot in the big dance. And that's why we've got on the line the coach of the Salisbury Magpies, Richard Gray. Richard, thanks very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. 
What a terrific final series your ladies have had knocking off both West Adelaide and Morphys. Yeah, look, it's been a fantastic final series for us. Um, really stoked that we've been able to make it through to our first ever Div 1 Grand Final. Yeah, look, we finished in fourth posse, but um, we knew we were good enough, definitely good enough uh, for the Morphys game. And uh, look, we just gave it our all in, in the Westies game on the weekend and uh, good hard contested footy is really what got us over the line. So, yeah, it's been a fantastic effort. Just super proud of them. Can you describe that effort last week in the preliminary final? You managed to put on a couple of quick goals in the third term to give yourself a buffer. You actually held scoreless in the final term, but you just managed to hold on for that one-point win. Yeah, look, it was a fun game for us. Um, interesting because we, we didn't actually score in the second or the fourth quarter, so we did all our scoring in the first and the third. And um, just a, a change-up of, of... We had a rotation of uh, Chelsea Randall and Ash Woodland, and um, to change them up as one out in the goal square just gave us some extra target to, to hit up when we went forward and, and you know, really sparked us in that third. And the, the younger girls in our team got around it and got hands on the ball up forward and we, we managed to hold the ball in our forward line for quite a period of time in that third. And, um, you know, to snag three late goals to get that uh, momentum up and give us some real positive energy going into the last quarter... Yeah, look, um, that really gave us, uh, I suppose, the, the feel that we were good enough to take the game and, and to hold Westies out. They came at us really hard in the last quarter, um, you know, put on an early goal and then uh, banged another one in halfway through. But uh, the last eight minutes, there was no score either side in the last eight minutes. So it was just a, a good tussle. But, um, you know, I saw just that confidence in my girls that, uh, you know, they wanted this and they just went really hard for it. Is it fair to say that Salisbury has been a young developing side? You've come up originally from Division 2 a couple of years ago into Division 1 in the Sawville and this year making your first ever finals appearance. Yeah, definitely. We've got a lot of young girls in the squad. Um, you've had a few that have been playing for a couple of years with us, but, but this year I've taken the opportunity to blood a few younger girls. Um, we've got a Div 5 side for the first time ever, so a second side and uh, we've had quite a few injuries through the team in the last couple of years, so it's given us an opportunity to, to bring some new talent into the squad. Uh, even on the on the weekend, we had three girls that had come up from our Div 5 Grand Final team to, to fill a few gaps. So, um, you know, there's some young energy, there's some good talent in the club, and, and it's really about giving them an opportunity and, and an opportunity to play with girls who have experience and when you've got a few Crows girls running around in the squad and a few SANFL girls, there's a lot of experience in there that uh, that these girls can just harness some positive energy off and, and encouragement. And it's just been – it's really good to to work with the girls. This is my first year coaching women's footy. Uh, I've been coaching both the Div 1 and Div 5 team. And to see the level of energy with the girls, they just want to get out and play. They're so keen to learn. Um, it's the first time, you know, they've actually had some structure in the way they play the game. And, yeah, they've just taken it and, and just run with it. Now, I believe, of course, you've got Chelsea Randall in your side, as you alluded to earlier. What has her experience been like having her around the club, not just on the field trying to help you win games, of course, but her leadership off the field? Uh, as a leader on and off the field, she's just awesome. Um, it's just so much positive energy. You know, she she doesn't put herself above the players at all. You know, she's part of the team. She's one of the girls. But just that motivation, you know, it doesn't matter whether we're up or down in the game. It's just some good encouragement to the girls, um, great advice. Uh, even to me, you know, uh, I've gone to her a couple of times just to, to check out how I'm going as a coach with women's footy. And, and, you know, she's just got a wealth of experience and she's more than happy to, to give feedback. And But, yeah, just, just the pat on the back for the girls, just that encouraging voice. Uh, it's great to have someone like that running around our squad.
Of course, everyone's talked about the Selwood boys at AFL level. Soon we could be talking about the Allen sisters. You've got, obviously, Sarah, Paige and Jess. Yeah, that's right. So Paige isn't one of the sisters, but um, I don't actually think she's related. But uh, definitely Sarah and Jess, um, look, they're an amazing uh, group, both those girls. And, and uh, you know, Sarah coming out of the ruck for the Crows uh, has been great to bring her back into the squad. But... But Jess has been our main ruck this year. She's got a bit more height than Sarah. She's got a great vertical leap. Um, I'd be absolutely flabbergasted if she doesn't get drafted this year. Um, she's been a standout. I think she's been a standout ruck in the competition all year from what I've seen. Um, Sarah's been outstanding for us, running out of halfback. Um, rock solid. You know, she's a, a tall girl, but just her agility when the ball hits the ground and her skills, um, you know, tough hitting the contest. And then you've got Small Page, who, as I said, isn't related, but but she's just an amazing runner. She runs our wing. Um, you know, she's got an amazing tank on her and some really good skills. And, you know, some really good talent running around. And, again, as, as I said, that sort of experience and, and uh, you know, um, motivation just lifts the other girls. And from your point of view, who do you think's really stepped up for your side during this finals campaign? Um, in the finals campaign? Um Look, we've got quite a few girls that have, you know, stepped it up through the middle of the year and, and definitely taken it into the finals. Nicole Baker's been one of the standouts for us. Um, she does play at SANFL level. Um, you know, she's played with us for a couple of years now, but in the last half of the year, she's just been an amazing runner for us through the midfield and also sitting down back. Um, Ash Woodland up forward, she, she cops the best defender every week and usually gets, you know, double teamed. She's been absolutely brilliant. Um, always a target to go to and, and, you know, she takes a hard hit and she gets up and just keeps going. Um, Nicole Mark on the weekend out of full back was brilliant. You know, some of her efforts in that last quarter, um, repelled some of the attacking drives from Westies. And, uh, Candace Pryor, another new girl to, to Div 1 footy. She's come out of under 18s. Uh, you know, she ran our centre the whole game on the weekend and, and, you know, I applaud her for that. That's just some, some awesome gut running. And one final question before we let you go, Richard. What's the psychology for the team coming into this Sunday's match against Adelaide Uni? They're sitting after the season at 10 and nil, so they've gone through undefeated. I mean, everyone reads the paper and we look at scores and we go, oh, geez, they've racked up some big wins. How do you try and get over that mental hurdle before the girls run out into the ground? Yeah, look, through the final season, I've really just told the girls to, to believe in themselves. You know, we are good enough each week and, and to enjoy their footy because that's why they play footy because they love the game and, and just to take it on. Um, coming up against Adelaide Uni, you know, if you go back through the season, we have got closest to them throughout the season. They only knocked us off by 11 points earlier in the season. Um, we were at full strength then and, and we've got a few out with injury now. But um, it's going to be tough for us this week because we do lose some of our stars because they're tied up in the uh, AFLW State of Origin game on the weekend. So it'll be a big challenge for the girls to try and step up and cover those voids. But again, it's all about you know belief that on the day anything can happen and you play footy because you love the game. So just go and give it your best and, and we'll see what happens. Well, Richard, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy, and we wish you all the very best this Sunday in the Adelaide Footy League Women's Division 1 Grand Final. Not a problem. Thanks very much. Well, that's one of the coaches who will be taking charge in the Adelaide Footy League Women's Division 1 Grand Final. The other one is Chrissy Steen, who's looking after the Adelaide University side, who are so far undefeated in 2017. Can they complete the season, Premiers and Champions? Let's find out. We've got Chrissy on the line. Chrissy, how are you?
G'day, Peter. How are you? Not too bad at all. What an awesome season you've had today for Adelaide Uni. Currently sitting undefeated, and here you are at the big dance. Yeah, not too bad. Um, bit nerve-wracking, to be honest. Everyone knows the story that goes with uh, going undefeated through a season, but, um, but yeah, it's been a great season. Well, let's rewind back to the start of May. In your mind, what's gone right for Adelaide Uni to have such a terrific year? Uh, well, to be honest, I would say the first thing would be the quality of the players that I was lucky to work with. Um, secondly, the quality of the coaches that I've been blessed to have in the team with me this year. So we've, we've really worked side by side. And I think at the beginning of the year, we sat down with the girls and just said, look, um, we're not out to win, which it sounds People are thinking, oh, that's a load of rubbish, but it's the God honest truth. We sat with all the girls. We said, we're not out to win. We want to teach you how to play good football. And that was our focus. And uh, if you want to learn how to play football, you've got to, you, you know, good football, you've got to put in. And um, that's what I mean about having such great players. We put them through the ringer and they just kept turning up and turning up and, uh, and wanted more and got better and better and better. And, and the wins came from, from the hard work, to be honest. What do you put that difference down between, I guess, last year's side and this year's side? Has it been a case of extra fitness? Has it been two-way running, precision kicking? What, what do you think's evolved to make the side so dominant this year? Ball movement. We focus heavily on... Um, we play quite an attacking style of football, risky. Like we said to the girls, look, this is high risk, high reward. But... Um, you know, like a lot of the girls went and, from what they've learned with us, they went and watched footy games, you know, AFL games, and like, oh, I can, I can see that. I can see what they're doing when it comes down back. I can see how they want to flick it out through the middle in these situations. And so, so it was, yeah, Pete, it's totally ball movement, to be honest. And has it actually helped you this pre-season having AFLW and Sandfieldw, all those games being not only shown on the TV but live-streamed as well? So you've got that vision to go back and watch and learn from? I would say yes, uh, a little bit, but I would say more so from the fact that I was, um, I've was i been very, very lucky to get a gig. Uh, a couple of years ago I had a gig with uh, the GWS Giants and I used to be in the coach's box with the with the guys there and so it was I would say it was more so um, the little bits and bobs that I picked up at GWS in relation to how to play aggressive proper AFL football and then on top of that I've got two male coaches I've got also got a, a female coach in our team as well so there's four of us but the two guys are very um, one of them played in the uh, VFL and uh, and the other guy worked uh, played in country footy in South Australia, so they're real footy brains. So um, yeah, more so that to be honest with you, but n not to take anything away from the standard of AFLW and the Sandful. Um, the level at the Sandful, to be completely honest, was not much below AFLW. When you got if you have a look at the grand final between Norwood and North, the uh, the level of that game. I would say would not be would not be very much lower than what you saw in AFLW. And that is obviously is positive signs also for the Adelaide Crows as they look to uh, recruit players in this October draft. As much as you've gone through the season undefeated, a coach always wants more. So if you're to look at your side, what do you want to see more from? What do you want to see them still improve on? 
with our girls, probably um, their use of the footy inside 50. If you look at our last four games, we've scored a hell of a lot of points. And that's more so with their, their a little bit blinkered to go straight for goal. Uh, but that's something that we've been working on. Um, I would also like to see the girls under real, real pressure uh, because I think you really test yourself and you test your side under that sort of intense pressure, which is probably one of the most disappointing things about the grand final this weekend is that um, the opposition are going to be missing Randall, um, Jess Allen and uh, Jess Sedgineri, which is a big loss for them, but probably an equal loss for us because we'd like to face them um, full strength. But what can you do? You can only face the side that's out there. And, of course, obviously, you've got to perform. We've already seen such stars on your side as Courtney Gum, Sophie Lee, Jess Edwards, Ruth Wallace, and Hatchard, for example. But out of, I guess, who you call the middle pack or, 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 or the lower-rung players in your team, who do you think's been having a good final series so far? And who do you think can make the step up on grand final day? Oh, look, I've got a kid in my team. I remember seeing Chelsea Randall in the uh, national championships in 2011. And uh, she was mind-blowing, like how hungry. Only Chelsea, you only see that in Chelsea, how hungry she is for the footy and how much she will hunt a player down who's in possession of the footy to get that tackle in and get control. And um, I've got a kid. She's 18. She's not been seen by anybody called Ebony O'Day. And... um, She's just gotten better week after week after week. And I think we're actually going to see, we'll see big things from her this weekend. But I think in um, in the couple of years to come, she'll emerge as a real talent, to be honest. She's probably my diamond that I uncovered this year, I would say. And uh, who knows, maybe cross fingers, a draftee for the 2018 AFLW draft. Peter, she's rookie eligible. She could go now, but the, the problem is, I don't think, it, it, you know, because we're over here in South Australia, I think they, um, you know, the interstate clubs, if they'd have had a look at her, if they'd had a chance to see her, I, I'd put my money on it, that she would have been picked up as a rookie for sure. The girls are unreal. I guess that's a tricky thing as well, isn't it? And it applies also to the girls that are in WA, Queensland and New South Wales. It's whether to go for the draft in their home state, knowing there's limited positions, or if they throw their hat in somewhere like Victoria, where there's four teams going for them, but on the same side of the coin, they're not as well known. Yeah, they're unknown. And I think that's the issue. I, I would hope that, um, that the following year, so 2019, when we've got the four more teams coming in, the AFL will do something about that. I, I think that's probably one of the problems with South Australia. Peter, my uh, background is actually from New South Wales ACT, and then obviously I have um, something to do with the Western Bulldogs for a couple of years. But um, but when I came to South Australia, I was blown away by the talent here. South Australia is like the sleeping giant. It really is. And the talent is untapped. Like, I think... Uh, with what the FNFL are doing at the moment with the development that they're trying to put into the women's, like these girls kick the footy with their brothers, you know, they, it's a football state and, uh, and the talent's just unbelievable. And I think, um, look, they deserve a lot more opportunities than what they will get with the Crows, given that the Crows have got seven spots this year. And I've got, I would say, I've got more than seven girls on my team that could play AFLW. 
And that is very exciting to hear. And hopefully one of them will make a name for themselves when they run out to take part in the grand final this Sunday against the Salisbury Magpies. Chrissy, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. And we wish you all the very best this weekend in the Adelaide Footy League Women's Division 1 Grand Final. Thanks, Peter. Well, you heard what the coaches think heading into this Adelaide Footy League Women's Division 1 Grand Final. Let's go across to our footy correspondent in South Australia to get her view on who will win this Grand Final. For the Two Crows podcast, it's Alison Schiller. Ali, how are you? Absolutely fantastic with all these smaller finals in the air there, Peter. Well, before we have a look at the Grand Final, we better find out how they got there. We know, of course, that Adelaide Uni won their way through thanks to the major semi-final victory over West Adelaide. They were expecting to face West in the grand final. However, the fourth place, Salisbury, had knocked them off by a solitary point. Oh, an absolute cracker of a game that we were wanting. And um, and I think I sort of, I thought I really got close to predict this one. I said I thought West would, thought they could win and were the Monty to win. But I didn't underestimate Salisbury with the form that they've been in. Um, but to go down to the wire to this and by a solitary point, what an absolute, you know, a fabulous game and to make it worthy of getting into the, the grand final as well. Let's have a look back at that preliminary final. Randall marshalling the troops. Uh, Ashley Woodland as well for for Salisbury. They, they just yep. uh, found a way to uh, drag the side over the line. Yeah, but basically um, it was an arm wrestle through the midfield for the game, but a battle of the back lines uh, turned out to be the the focus of the game as both teams st- uh, sorry struggled to score. Salisbury had the ball in their forward half for more of the game, but just could not convert it until those three late goals in the third broke it open and gave them a 13-point lead going into the last quarter. Uh, rotating Randall and Woodland, as you mentioned, their names already in the middle. And one out up forward was the key move that gave them the target for Salisbury up there. And the strength as well to lock in the ball with those girls kicking three out of the four goals, uh, with Chelsea kicking in for two of those. Westies came at them hard in the last, which was um, as you would expect in a final. Uh, but to credit to the backs, who were super disciplined for Salisbury. And on numerous occasions, West dropped numbers back to try and get the ball out of Salisbury 50. But didn't have, because they pushed the numbers back, they didn't have anyone to kick it through up at half forward. Uh, young Danny Woods and Nicole Mark were outstanding down back for Salisbury. It all came down to a marking contest, about 15 metres out from Westy's goal with 30 seconds to go. Uh, but Salisbury were able to bring the ball to ground and desperately clear it outside the 50. And just for the record there, Peter, no team actually scored in the last eight minutes of the game. So that's how tight and tested it was. Well, Westies had the better, slightly better run. Salisbury definitely played hard, contested footy, and that's where they kept the upper hand all day. So the um, one thing to note with Westies, they were with the re- uh, Ree Metcalf. Um, they did still have uh, Talia Redan in there, but Ree copped a bit of a knock in the previous game, so I'm pretty sure she was rested because of that. With Salisbury, as you already mentioned there, one Chelsea Rambo Randall, I uh, was in there and she led from the front to the back and the middle all day. Uh, the goal kickers there, Randall Woodland and Cohane. Best for Salisbury, naturally Chelsea. Uh, Nicole Mark, Danny Woods, uh, Yench and Sarah Allen. For Westies, Owen, Massiero and Bedell were the goal kickers. The best players were Foley, Owen, Batley, Williams and Shannon Solly. So 
unfortunately for Westies, as I said, they've really been the prime of the competition just sitting under uni, but they just couldn't get the job done on the day with Salisbury leading by point and taking that into the grand final. I guess for Salisbury, they're going with no fear up against Adelaide Uni, but they go in a few players less this Sunday. Yeah, they might go in with no fear, but they also go in without one Chelsea Randall and one Jess Allen. Um, simply for the fact is Jess Allen being at the under 18 and Randall, and also Jess said she hadn't played the last couple games, but she's also um, unavailable uh, to play. So. That vastly undermans the Salisbury side, but hopefully their tough and grittiness can take it up to Adelaide Uni, who, unfortunately for Salisbury, are probably going to go in with a full squad. Um, they're getting probably quickly back from a hamstring, hamstring injury, so she'll be a welcome addition to the Adelaide Uni lineup. But Adelaide Uni, too strong probably all over the ground. Uh, Salisbury, I'm hoping, battle on admirably. Then again, a final's a final, and nerves... Um, motivation, adrenaline, anything can happen. Well, how many times have we heard it in the past, uh, sides going through the season undefeated then all of a sudden it all going wrong on grand final day? And no doubt Chrissy Steen will be trying to make sure her players are switched on and that does not happen for uni. Absolutely. As you mentioned to me earlier, that the interview with uh, Chrissy and Richard there, uh, that's one of their main focuses, I believe, is that you can't get ahead of yourself, which I don't believe Adelaide Uni will. But the nerves on the day and that little bit of mental pressure of going in undefeated, so if we have literally nothing to lose and can just throw the kitchen sink at them. So anything can happen. Well, let's get your tip. How do you think it's going to play out this <laughs> Adelaide Footy League Women's Division One Grand Final? Oh, I wish. I really wish um, so we had the full squad here because I think it would be a fascinating game of talent and skill because they've got a lot of good players um, on both sides. But I do believe without the additions of Randall um, and Allen, who's been uh, key in their ruck all year, um, I think that Adelaide Uni will get the better of them and uh, will take out the grand final and will continue to go undefeated. Well, thank you very much for your tip and all the reporting you've been doing throughout the year on the Adelaide Footy League Women's Division 1 competition, Ali. And, uh, of course, as we mentioned, uh, this Saturday is the AFLW Origin. And just one quick thing on that. Yeah, yeah go on, Peter. Go on. Can the Vicks. <laughs> you just wait. We'll wait and see. We'll have another conversation later. Mind you, I have looked at the Vicks side and you have a pretty damn fine side. And now that we've lost Virgo um, with the ACL... Be interesting to see who the allies bring in there because she's an important player down the back line. Ali, thanks very much. We look forward to your review of the grand final next week. Thank you very much. Go the allies. So that's what's happening in South Australia. Let's find out what's happening in the great state of Victoria, where the final round of the home and away season, round 14, was played on the weekend. And for the final time ever at AH Cap Reserve, Darabin 12-14-86 defeated the VU Western Spurs for straight 24. Seaford's last game in the VFL women's competition. They won't be uh, going for a licence next year. Uh, 3-3-21 went down to Box Hill, 8-5-53. Melbourne Uni, 2-4-16. Despite leading at halftime, went down to Diamond Creek 3-6-24. The Eastern Devils, was it their last game in VFLW? No one's quite sure yet, but they managed to walk out the season 2017 as victors 8-7-55 over Geelong 4-3-27. And in Cranbourne's last ever game in VFLW, 1-2-8, they went down to St Kilda 
14-8-92. That means the final series looks like this Sunday, September 10, a semi-finals doubleheader at Piranha Park, Coburg City Oval. At 11am, it's Melbourne University versus the St Kilda Sharks. And then at 1pm, it's the Darabin Falcons versus Diamond Creek. That is the major semi-final with the winner going through to the grand final. That's Sunday, September 10, a week and a half from now, and we'll have it for you live on RSN Carnival, so do join us then. Just quickly, the goal-kicking award in the VFL Women's Competition was shared this year at the end of the home and away season, a tie between Chloe Malloy of Diamond Creek and Katie Brennan of Darabin, both on 32 goals each. Coming in third was Jasmine Garner from St Kilda with 28 goals. Let's find out what's happening in the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division, and I've got on the line the one and only Lauren Hodson. Lauren, how are you? Yeah, pretty good, thanks, Peter. How are you? Not too bad at all. Semi-finals finally here in Sydney, and uh, an interesting result between the game of Sydney Uni and the Stingrays. Yeah, look, uh, it, it was a relatively close game, although uh, the result sort of went the opposite way to how I thought it would. Uh, look, the Stingrays came out on top 6-7-43 to Sydney Uni Bombers uh, 3-7-25, uh, it was a close game uh, in the first quarter, uh, very low scoring. Uh, and then the Stingrays sort of kicked away a, a little bit uh, until half time, and then just continued on in the second half. Um, but, yeah, really, really strong performance by them. Um, you know, Stingrays had a, a couple of goal kickers in, in Gemma still and uh, Belinda Pride both both kicking a couple. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just a, a really strong performance by them, which puts them straight into the... Uh, the grand final uh, and and sets up a great, uh, you know, a great prelim final next week. In the elimination semi-final, was McUnie getting the job done over the Auburn Penrith Giants? Yeah, McUnie had a a really, uh, really good game uh, against the Giants. Obviously, the Giants' first first finals in the Premier Division. Uh, Look, there was only two points in it at quarter time. The Giants were actually up. And at halftime, it was uh, two four sixteen apiece. Uh, but Mac Uni kicked away with a couple of goals to build a ten point lead at three quarter time, and then uh, they actually kicked four goals six in in the last quarter to run out forty point victors. Um, so definitely a very strong finish there. And uh, Mac Uni will take that momentum into the pre prelim against uh, the Sydney Uni Bombers next week. But uh, the goal kickers for McUni are Laura Russell with three and Emma Swanson with two there, Peter. This Saturday, 3.30pm at Hanson Park for a chance to go to the grand final, the Sydney Uni Bombers and Macquarie University. It's the all-uni battle. Yeah, look, I think it'll be a really exciting game. Um, I don't think Sydney Uni would have been expecting to um, have been playing this week. Uh, Look, I, I for one, tipped Sydney Uni to go straight through to the grand final. Um, So so they'll be disappointed with that. Uh, Mac Uni have had a really, really good uh, second half of the season. And uh, I'm actually going to tip Mac Uni uh, in an upset by by, uh, under 10 points on the weekend, Peter. I think uh, their form coming in... um, it's been really good, and uh, I think they'll make it through to the grand final. Wow, that'll be massive if that happens. Lauren, thank you very much for joining us here in Girls Play Footing. We look forward to catching up with you next week to review the preliminary final and preview the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division grand final.
Always happy to talk finals footy, Peter. Turning our attention now to Tasmania, where round 14 was played over the weekend, the Tasmanian State League women's competition. And Clarence, 6-3-39, defeated Glenorchy, 2-2-14. Launceston, 9-7-61, accounted for the Tigers, 1-2-8. Looking ahead to round 15 this weekend, on Saturday, 12pm at KGV, Glenorchy host Launceston. While on Sunday at 12pm at Twin Ovals, the Tigers host Burnie. Heading across to Canberra now, where it was preliminary finals on the weekend, and Eastlake 1-4-10 were down to Quimby and 10-4-64, and Gungala Jets 4-5-29 defeated the Balcona Magpies 3-6-24. That sets up the grand final this Saturday, 2nd of September, 9.30am at Greenway Oval, where the Quimbian Tigers host the Gungahlin Jets. Talking about grand finals, the Bond University QWAFL grand final was held last weekend between Cooperoo and Yeronga South Brisbane Devils. And to report on that, I've got on the line the former Kulangata Tweed coach. He coached him to the flag in 2016. It's great to have on the line Aaron Russell. Aaron, how are you? Oh, great. Thanks, Peter. Fantastic. Uh, had a great weekend at the footy, um, as did uh, a lot that turned out for um, the trip, women's triple header here in Queensland for the first time. So that'll, that'll be continue to be an annual thing. But uh, fantastic, fantastic weekend. And unfortunately, you're going to have to wait another 12 months for another grand final now. Indeed. And just before we get into the nitty-gritty of the grand final, since you were there, how much would you estimate the crowd was at for this first ever triple header? Oh, put, put me on the spot there now. Um, look, for, for, for a female-only um, weekend, usually it's been aligned with uh, some male finals um, in the QFA divisions here. But um, for a standalone match, I thought the crowd was, was uh, still larger than that of, of last year um, when we played. So I thought it was, I thought it was a great, great turnout, um, strong turnout. Two Brisbane clubs this time, so... Now you'd expect um, you know, two, two, two strong clubs in, in women's footy. So you'd expect a, a, a nice turnout of supporters and, and uh, it didn't, didn't prove to this point on the weekend. I, I, I thought, yeah, hard to say, mate. I couldn't give you an answer, unfortunately, with the, with the numbers, but I definitely it was more than last year and they were estimating a couple of thousand through the gate. So. Absolutely fantastic to see that amount of support for women's footy. And they got to see a cracker of a game, and uh, it kind of played out the same way as the semi-final. The Kings out of the blocks early. Yeah, sure did. Um, look, we called it probably earlier on last week um, when we were doing the review and um, of the week before and looking to the grand final that, um, you know, it was probably going to take shape similar to the semi, and, and it has. Um, you know, really close game right until it looked, it looked at one point almost that Cooper were going to run away with it at one, one stage there. Um, you know, early court, early in the first quarter, five goals, two to one goal, three, um, over, over Yoronga. So it honestly looked like they were in complete control, um, right over the ground, moving the ball beautifully. Um, you know, we talked about Yoronga having a slow start and, and they needed to have a, have a fast start, um, which they didn't have, but they were able to pick it back. That last quarter for Cooper, who just didn't get on the board. It looked like they were going into a little bit of defensive mode too early for mine. Um, you know, I think they were only nine points up um, at one point in the last quarter, and, and it just looked like they were trying to save the game. And you, you flick back to two weeks prior when they played each other, and um, you know, you're wrong to come home with a wet sail. So you're assuming that they were going to, they would have that in them again. Um, you know, there were some of their players that still hadn't quite fired and, and, and got into the game, but. Um, and if you look at the stats, um, it, it was quite an interesting one. Uh, inside 50, 58 
Uh, Yuronga to Cooperu, 36. Um, stoppages, 27 uh, to, to Cooperu um, and, and 10 to Yuronga. So <laughs> interesting statistics in regards to the stoppages and inside 50. Um, they were hammering, peppering away at the goals in that second half. They just couldn't buy a goal in um, you know, the second quarter and the third quarter. Um, you know, but, but scoring shots in the end shone through. Um, you know, Cooper were really efficient, um, you know, leading all the way um, until about the 10-minute mark into the last quarter when Yoronga took back the lead. And you, you kind of knew going that last quarter that Cooper still needed to score again. Um, you know, they had some, some, some shining lights up forward. Wooshner and White were hard to, to keep um, scores. They both kicked three apiece. Um, a couple of other players, Bradley and Hickey, um, who won the under-17 best and fairest up here this year, um, had a fantastic match and shined in with a goal herself. But um, you know, I thought they held Sabrina fairly well. Um, I would have liked to have seen Sabrina close to the goal, but they were insistent on in playing her further up the ground. She she um, you know, got, got quite a few touches in the end. I think she ended up with about 14 or 15 disposals or something in the end. But um, you know, I don't think they were as effective as they could have been. Uh, Bates got named player of the match, 29 disposals for Bates. So that's, you know, you'd expect that from her, though. That's probably not a surprise to most. Um, McCarthy was fairly dangerous. She kicked two goals. She was up forward um, for some part of that. Um, I guess the, the sad news story out of it for Yoronga is Virgo. She ended up with 24 disposals, had a cracking game. It was very influential, um, especially coming through that second half, um, but did her ACL in the last five minutes. So that's going to. That's going to be sad news for Ronga and um, football club, but not only for them, but for the Brisbane Lions and, and Sam. So she's most likely to miss um, 2018. But on the flip side, Jordan Zanchetta, who missed all the years uh, pre- previous to that, ended up chiming with a really nice game, 24 disposals. Um, I like what she was doing, pretty active. And for a girl who only played a couple of comeback games and, and, and her way through the finals, I thought it was quite impressive. Um, another one for mine is... is not as well known was um, Cowan. Really liked her work down back. Um, she only took the three marks, but they were super courageous. Um, tackled strong. Ended up with 20, 21 disposals. Uh, for Cooper, Wusha had a good game. Uh, for Zilke, 21. Ali Anderson was probably um, the one that battled, I think, the hardest all day. 25 disposals. They played mostly off half back. Um, besides from one blunder in the goal square, I think it was in the second or third quarter, um, when she turned it over and, and, and gave up a, a, a guinea goal um, in the goal square. I thought she was fantastic. Um, and, and Gibson as well. Um, both Gibsons for that matter. Brittany and Emma Gibson who played down back had a fantastic game. But alas, uh, Cooper, not to run away with the Premiership this year. Um, they'll be sticking together and looking super strong next year. Uh, Yoronga, kudos to them. Um, winning the grand final 75, 10-15 to Kuparu 9-3-57. Um, as you said, much probably the tale of the two-week previous game um, in the qualifying final. And the Devils, I guess, learning the lessons of last year against uh, your calling gutter Tweed when, I guess, the Devils hit the front early. They tried to slam on the brakes, but you regained the lead and took the premiership. This time around, as soon as they got the lead, the Devils, they just put the foot down and make sure it was signed, sealed and delivered. Yeah, look, oh, going that last quarter. I mean, I mean, they've got a lot of they have some fantastic players there, and this game was was kind of one of those games. It was a battle of the battle of, battle of the heroes, really. Um, you know, you got match winners on both sides, and you're kind of looking at this game. You're like, which which of these match winners is gonna are gonna do the damage? 
of, the, of these, you know, their best five each, who who are really going to stand up as battle of the gods um, for, for these two teams. But, um, you know, as I said, you're wrong the last year. Um, narrow loss, and, and you could tell it hurt him, Scotty, and um, Batesy talking about it uh, during the presentation that, that, that the year previous may use that motivation. Um, lost against us um, to, to obviously get over the line in the last quarter, and, and that they did. So kudos to, to your Ronga Football Club. Um, fantastic win. Well, Aaron, thank you very much for joining us uh, this week and throughout the season to have a look at the QWAFL. And we look forward to catching up with you possibly in a few weeks' time to discuss some of the uh, Queensland draft hopefuls for when that rolls around in mid-October. No worries. Thank you very much, Peter, as always. And that wraps things up for yet another week here at Girls Play Footy. Just a quick reminder, you can follow us on social media by going to Twitter and searching for Girls Play Footy. You can find us now on Instagram. Again, just search for Girls Play Footy or go facebook.com forward slash girls play footy and all the latest women's footy news you can read on our website girlsplayfooty.com and of course we will be covering online throughout the match the aflw state of origin between the allies and victoria the senior women's match getting underway 7 40 p.m remember free entry to etihad stadium free entry get along there if you can until next week i've been peter holden it's been great having your company and it's bye for now